Hello and welcome fellow humans on the journey. My name is Grady Milligan and you're listening to the To and From podcast, a record of process and transformation through creative and intentional living. Through this podcast, I want to hold safe space for thoughts, questions, tears, and laughter, and to create one more little stage for collective story. So thank you for listening. I hope that we can grow together in the tension and beauty of who we are and who we're becoming. So for this episode of the podcast, I bring to you an interview with my very good friend, Brandon McBath. If you know Brandon, you know that he is a thoughtful, kind, extremely creative individual. And throughout our friendship, I've also gotten to enjoy a ton of nerd stuff with Brandon because as you'll hear, we talk at length pretty much every time we're together about what comics we've been reading or games we've been playing. And as silly as that may sound to some, For both of us, and maybe for some of you listening, it's an extremely big part of our creative journey as well. Brandon is an artist and an art teacher, a great musician, and he's also just jumped into a new job at the church that he grew up in, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And really, this whole podcast is just giving Brandon space to talk at length about a bunch of things he cares about, and that list runs deep. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope that our talks about what art we take in and how it shaped us and how we're trying to find out how to put the art we want to make out into the world can be maybe inspiring to you or encouraging as you're figuring out your own creative journey. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my very good friend, Brandon McBath. really thirsty so i'm gonna cry oh god <laughs> there you go uh would you be mad if i just made that the intro Ma- the- please do <laughs> please make it the intro That's okay so uh brandon brandon mcbath my yes. dude you are sitting here with me you're awesome we're friends i think you are great uh but people don't know you so before i start asking you a bunch of random questions about life and creativity and things that i know that you do um mm-hmm. You, who are you? So if someone has never met Brandon McBath, could you give us like the, I don't know, the history of Brandon in a nutshell, whatever you want to talk about? Sure. I guess things that have got me to this point and then things I aim to do and I guess where I am at currently. Yeah. It seems like you're asking me for a testimony, but I'm not going to give you like the whole big, the big guy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Give you the quick boy. Yeah, do it. Do it. Uh, (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, I've grown up in East Tennessee my whole life. I was born in Knoxville. I don't even know what hospital I was born at. But I lived in Louisville uh, area my whole life up until maybe the last, oh, man. So, I'm 27 now, and I've I lived in Louisville up until I was about 20. I grew up there with uh, living mainly with my mom and my brother. A big part of my story is my dad passed away from prostate cancer when I was uh, five years old. And that's like, it's heavily affected every aspect and yeah, of thing of my life. And But it's also not one of those things now to where it's like, you should feel sad, I guess, every mm. time I say that. Because it's, it's formed me into the man that I am now, which is a kind of crazy thing. And mm, I've learned sure. a lot from that. And we're going to get into that later. But okay, yeah. Grew up in Louisville, went to... 
William Blount High School and, like, school in this area my whole life. I was very inspired by Dragon Ball Z whenever yes, I was yes. in middle school. Good. I'm glad we're starting at what matters. <laughs> yeah, the truth right now. So, yeah, yes. I was very inspired. And not it wasn't in just middle school. It probably started, like, late elementary school because Dragon Ball Z would, like, randomly come on Fox at, like, 6 a.m. Like, that's where the OGs watched Dragon Ball. You, like, see, saw it before school. I feel like I've been in since this was a thing. But, na- see, but... I was like a tsunami guy. So yeah. does this mean I I was like late game Dragon Ball Z? I don't think you're late. I think I was just later. I like guess when okay. anime like started catching on a little bit more. Still didn't catch on not right. nearly as much as it is now. And like it was just it was some cartoon. I didn't even know it was anime. I was like, there's some weird cartoon that moves really fast. Yeah. On at like six in the morning. Yes. On like weekdays. I and feel like that shows something of like our generation of anime kid. Yeah. Because you don't know what anime is until after you know what dra- Dragon. <laughs> Ball Z has already shaped your whole life yeah, before what? you know what anime is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, yes. that was very inspirational to me whenever I was uh, younger and growing up, and I got into a, a lot of different just anime and uh, video games too. Like, yes. um, my mom wasn't able to like be around us as much because she had to work a lot so working to provide like i was five years old my dad passed away and my brother had to be like 12 or 13 yeah so she's working like to provide for two children she's working like all day so she was usually gone like i'd wake up and catch the bus for school she would be at work from like eight to like nine or ten at night yeah and so um she was often just working a lot and she had her days off and stuff too, but she would provide for us in a way of like, we had like cable, we had video game consoles and things. And mm-hmm. I just took that stuff in. I learned through video a lot in the same way that I bet a lot of students or a lot of children now probably learn things like oh, through absolutely. YouTube and things, but it was just like cable TV and video games, like yeah. starting with, I think my first system, we had a regular Nintendo, but I didn't really play that as much. It was, like, broken by the time I was, like, able to play video <laughs> right. games. And then um, Super Nintendo was, like, the OG, and then okay. Sega Genesis, and we had one of those. And had, oh. like, pretty much one of almost every console growing up. I didn't ever own a regular PlayStation, but, like, yeah, I, I had all the too. other ones. Did you have an N64? Of course, Okay, yes. good. I remember that, that's, the, like, OG Smash Bros. Yes, okay. Yeah. I remember the The last Christmas, good Star Fox game. Yeah, I remember the Christmas <laughs> of getting that game. is very much so like oh. that old video. Nintendo 64! Like, it was crazy. I remember... Playing that, that was such a, like, consistent thing, too. It was, like, Christmases with a new video game console. Yep. I was like, Wah! like, this is the new thing. I don't think I've ever grown out of that. I yes. still, the There's reason. excitement for it. Like, Christmas and my birthday exist to get video games yeah. that I haven't gotten yet that, yeah. that, that year. Of course. <laughs> what else know. are you celebrating? I'm going <laughs> to be, like, I'm going to be, like, 50 years old. I don't know if we'll have kids or anything, but I'll be 50 years old and be, like, Mom, you're, like, 900. <laughs> Am I getting a new video game? <laughs> be real with me right now. <laughs> Don't play games, mom. <laughs> my, my mom will be really mad if she yeah. ever hears this. <laughs> but, um, I love you, mom. There's another, like, we'll talk about that, too, because I always thought that I would be, like, I would be just, like, ahead of the curve with technology, because mm. I feel like our parents were very left kind of behind on technology oh, unless you got in on it early for them. And so, like, 
my mom has like trouble like checking emails and stuff. Oh, like, yeah. And <laughs> yes. so I was like, oh, I'm going to be great at this. And now I'm like, I'm not sure, man. Things are going fast. <laughs> it's really fast, boy. dude. <laughs> so continue my story. Yeah, I grew up in this area. I eventually went to uh, – I graduated from high school in 2010, and I went to Pellissippi for two years. And while I was there, I didn't. I knew I, I enjoyed drawing. Like I started drawing when I was in seventh grade – or sixth or seventh grade, actually. This is also a good story. This is out oh. of order. I'm sorry. No, but, um, hit me. In sixth grade, let's go back in time. So in sixth grade, this is a story that involves Storm Owens too. So okay. <laughs> I remember going to Eagleton Middle School, and I was like, this is going to be great. And then I was just like loving it, doing school. School was like relatively easy for me. It sure, wasn't sure. that difficult of a thing. So in math class, we were reviewing something. I knew exactly how to do the thing that we were reviewing. Yeah. So I would draw during class, like on a piece of paper while like the teacher's talking. Yeah. For me... That is a way of just, like, processing other stuff. I oh, need yeah. to occupy, like, my eyes and my hands yes. while I'm listening to you. Oh, yeah. Not that I'm putting more effort into drawing. It's just so that I don't get distracted by anything else. Oh, yeah. We have at least one slides guy at the church that every time he runs slides, I get, like, a I will never draw anything that good in my life doodle. <laughs> that's just his, like, random sermon doodle. Yeah. But it's how he does it. Yeah. So that's a yeah, that's absolutely sermon legit. Sermon doodles. That's where it's at. Yeah. So... I was drawing in that class, and I specifically, this is a story I, I think back to often. It's a good catalyst for why I do what I do. My <laughs> teacher was such a grumpy gills. I don't know what was wrong. But Miss um, Henry was just really upset that I was drawing that day. And I didn't talk back to her. I, didn't, I wasn't saying anything negative. Uh, she was like, Brandon, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm drawing. I already know how to do this. And I, she may have taken that in a very negative way. Sure, I sure. doubt I said it in a very angry way. I was never that kind of student or kid. And it just, she did not appreciate that. <laughs> and so she, she just got like, went on a rant, got really angry. And I specifically remember she called me stupid in front of my whole class. Oh my God. And then said, I will never be in any advanced math class ever again in middle school. And I hadn't, I didn't have bad grades, but like, I, from then on, I was in the advanced sixth grade math class. I feel like she, I'm picking up trauma from your story. Right <laughs> and then she told me I wasn't, uh, I wasn't allowed to be in the other one. So I wasn't. Wow. I remember in seventh grade going into it, seeing like Storm and my friends and my friend Rose too, like all of them going to advanced math class. And we we're all like homies. They're like, oh, see you, Brandon. I was like, okay, see you. Like, <laughs> but she like legitimately banished you from it? I got straight exiled, fam. So like... <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. There's probably something I'm maybe missing or leaving. I don't know. But she, is, she did not like me drawing. Wow. But I knew I, I loved drawing and I never, like, I wasn't like, upset that I did that. Yeah. So go fast forward back to 2010 and we're at Pulsippi and I'm like trying to figure out a major and things and figuring out what I want to do with schooling. My brother had gone to school at UTC for mechanical engineering. And so I, I was, I was never actually like in his shadow, but I liked, I wanted to do what he did. I looked right. up to my brother a lot, very much so a father figure in my okay. life from when I was So you younger. guys were close. There yeah. wasn't like all this animosity. There wasn't any like okay. grumpy gills-ness. I've said that too many times or like any It's going to be the title of this podcast for sure. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he was never like 
ever mean to me or anything like that. He's always very supportive That's and awesome. caring. Yeah. And so even when I started to do art stuff, he's like, yeah, do it, but you better do it like the best you can. Mm. And that was about it. Like it was a push to do it well. And that was mm. the same for my mom too. And like, um, it's cool that my mama supported me going after that. So mm. I picked that in, um, my probably sophomore year at Pellissippi, I decided yeah. to take a drawing one class. Yeah. Shout out Herb Reith for being like <laughs> the dopest. I see him around places and he was my professor then. And he's so encouraging. He always like, he remembers my name mm. and it's been some years now. And like, uh, he's just a really cool dude. He actually got me a show at Pellissippi some years later to where yeah. I had like an alumni show I got to be in. That's and cool. um, so he was really encouraging and uh, uplifting. I thought it was going to be this really like, oh man, we got to be like competition. I'm drawing, you're drawing, I'm going to draw better than you draw. Like right. I thought it was going to be that, but it was very much so like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm this. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm Brandon. Nice to meet you. And then yeah. we like, you just make friends and everybody likes to draw. So it was really cool. Hmm. So I did that at Pellissippi and then I ended up I definitely wanted to transfer to UT, and I did, but the way that, like, art classes and things work there, yeah. they're just, like, three-hour studio blocks. So you're in a studio class. You're not being, like, talked to for three hours. You're just in, like, a class to where, like, all right, three hours, we're working on this today. Like, draw this thing. Or you're working with models, okay. and you're drawing models. Or you are... Interesting, yeah. um, like later on in the last couple of years, you get like open, you get your own studio time to like you go to your studio and you just draw stuff and like okay. you're working towards a bigger project for later. And with that three hour block, that covers a lot of time slots. So that means I couldn't like get through it in two years, which okay. would have been like, oh, I went to college for four years and then I'm done. So I ended up going to UT for four years, but uh, which makes six years of college total. But for those four years, I didn't have to take any gen ed classes. So I was That's getting, actually amazing, I was getting way more, like I got like way more out of my bachelor degree there than I did, than any of my like colleagues did. So I got a lot of, I got a minor in art history as well, but I got like a lot more of those classes and I got yeah. a lot more art classes than a lot of people did because yeah. I had to get a certain requirement, but I overshot that requirement because I had the time to, because like I wouldn't just, take a semester where I was like, all right, I'm just going to take one class because that's a waste of time and yeah. paying tuition. It's like you to got go. a master's degree the way – it's like you got a, ma a bachelor's degree the way people describe getting a master's degree. Yeah. Well, you're actually I, just I don't doing know about the, the amount of information, but, yeah, I got, I, no, I got a lot more like, time in than no, bachelor's no, degree. I, I, yeah. I know that's not like a humble brag or anything. I'm yeah, just yeah. Saying, no, I think it, that's amazing. You actually got to, like, study and do the things mm -hmm. that you give a rip about. Yeah, it was really cool. That's freaking cool. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I got to do that, and then um, I, while I was there, I got to work at the the Ewing Gallery in um, in the art building at UT, and that was really cool. So I got some like gallery experience, and I realized like there's so much like high art, contemporary art stuff is it's a very like whereas it used to be a very like only draw about only make art about Christianity, and, like and okay, it was very yeah. forced religious kind of thing. Right now, it's like a very kind of godless plane of okay. like the main thing is like make something that's like relating to sex or something else like sure, something okay. that, like as an impulse for people in a high art sense and then the idea of high art low arts weird in general but right. i realized like i feel called to maybe like make art that's going to be like 
that glorifies the Lord. It's not going to be corny. I'm not going to make stuff just about sure. like crosses and cheesy things. <laughs> sure. Like not that the cross is cheesy, but that a representation of a cross isn't always very accurate. It doesn't right. hold the weight of right. the crucifixion well. So I wasn't just going to do that, but I feel called to make art in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, so while I was there, actually, the first two years, I was like, okay, I'm going to do graphic design because that's like a guaranteed job in the art field. Okay. And then uh, I started going through it, and I got to, like, there's a portfolio review after your second year there. And as I was going through it, I was like, this is, I don't need, they, they do a good job of, like, kind of veiling what graphic design is about before you get in there because they want to see how you respond to it. Okay. It's kind of weird, but it, it pushed me to, ch like, challenge my thinking. But in the end, I didn't get in, and I also was like, I don't want to just make stuff for other people, like, because that's what a lot of graphic design right. is. It's like, you have to be able to. It's a good skill is being able to, like, get into somebody's head, kind of take their vision for what they want and create it, but you are the one with the artistic talent, and they just are like, make it green. And you're <laughs> like, it doesn't, it won't look, make it green. And then, okay. And then you make it green. They love it, but you're like, this looks so bad. Oh, Whatever gosh. it is. Yeah. So that can, that can be what you end up in. And that's not always true. You can always freelance design stuff too. So I didn't get into that. And I was like, okay, well, let's do um, painting and drawing. Cause I've always just drawn. I've just drawn yeah. things. I like drawing. It's really cool. Let's go for it. And so I went through that and I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of very encouraging professors. Yeah. People took me under their wing and lift me up while it was going on. Yeah. And it was, um, it was really cool. So that was like the art journey through school. And at the end of that, the literal, next school year so i ended in like may 2016 and then in august 2016 i got to start as a middle school art teacher at Concord yeah, christian dude. school and that was another like god-filled story of like him providing and that job and uh people just kind of taking a chance on me but then yeah. it all worked out really well and has so far and i'm still there yeah. so that's where i am now and goals later on in life i would like to eventually like these are like big time i guess bigger goals is like i want to eventually just be either one of the names or part of designing a major new fictional character that is inspirational to like oh. everyone you know how like spider-man is yeah. to us yeah, absolutely and like th i think about newer ones like uh, anna and elsa from frozen yeah absolutely. right there's new brand new characters to us in this sense yeah. and like Every even little girls and little boys oh, everywhere yeah. like they know who they are like you yeah, see absolutely. someone with red hair you're like oh yeah it's I don't know which one it is yeah. it's either on or else well, it's like it's like but, or somebody <laughs> drew you know somebody drew the little animated lion and you know Simba and Nala like exist in the world yeah. and it changes my life forever because mm -hmm. I don't know if we've talked about it but like yeah. I, shamelessly to this day The Lion King is my favorite movie of mm -hmm. all time yes and it's like. But someone made these characters, and they wreck yeah. and they ruined me. They wreck me every and single that's time. That's the cool thing too. Is like, see how that's your favorite movie, but do you know who designed Simba and Nala? Mm -hmm. Have you ever looked at like the artist who created them? And so, I don't care to be known, but I want to do that. I want to inspire people right. like that. I don't know who that person is either. Sure. We should look it up after this, but. That's what I want to be. I want to be one of those names that just goes by at the end of the Marvel movie or something. You're like, hey, that was my name. I'm that one yeah. little name that went by. But like knowing that I was a big part of somebody doing something creative. Yeah. Maybe I'll make my own company or do something crazy one yeah. day. But whether it's a movie, comic, video game, manga, whatever it is, I yeah. want to make something like that to inspire people. I didn't know that. that. Dude, that gets, man, that gets me hyped. <laughs> That's really inspiring. Yeah, dude, just to be a person that... 
when that movie ends and they can't even pay attention to your name scrolling because they're kind of crying, but you helped create <laughs> the character yeah. that's wrecking them, which... Which, by the way, I don't, I don't know if there's a proper place to put this in, but you said Spider-Man. And, yes. if, and all, my heart fluttered because Spider-Man has like been ruining and fixing my life since I was a child. <laughs> That's what he does. Uh, and dude, I, Brandy and I finished uh, Into the Spider-Verse oh. in the theater. And she, you know, we'd been there a long time. She's like, all right, time to get up and head to the car. And I was like, I couldn't make words, <laughs> but I couldn't explain to her why I wasn't getting up. And I just needed a second. Because, dude, I, I, would, I mean, I, I didn't. I knew I would love it, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how much I would love it. But I also didn't know how much, like, it would, I mean, it emotionally ruined me. I was a wreck for about 40 minutes from when the movie ended to, like, most of the way home yeah. from Knoxville. I couldn't talk because yeah. the movie destroyed me. And, oh, gosh. Yeah, because that's the cool, consistent thing about <sighs> Spider-Man is he is, like, that perfect blend of, like, hilarious Mm -hmm. and like dark weightiness of like heavy things happening and how they collide and how he deals with them and like uh, obvious like the quote even itself is excellent like Mm. with great power must come great responsibility and that's insane like it's such a good way of thinking about it and then that that that's where it can inspire people is like whatever you think of as great power like If this is going out and more than uh, more than me and you hear this, we yeah. have an influence and a power over people. Yeah. So with what we say here could be very inspirational to them and change oh, yeah. them. It's just crazy. Well, and the and the idea of at the end of that movie in particular, um, the, the idea that anyone could wear the mask. Oh yeah. The idea of we, we all have this thing because yeah. like without even saying the traditional Spider-Man quote, people know it in their guts. Yeah. And then they take it a step further by saying that thing that has been like an anthem for you if you've been a comic kid for probably yeah. your life, it's you in the mask too. Yeah. We're all Spider-Man. And I'm sitting there like, we are all Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Spider-Man. I just... I was undone. I was ugly crying. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah, so it was good. it was really dope too because it was like all the representation things too mm-hmm. and how they put it all together. They didn't make how any they, of the characters cheesy. Yeah, and how oh, they changed so everything. Good. Even you're like feeling feelings for like Kingpin too, mm-hmm. and it's like everybody's. Oh, yeah. It made a weight to everything, like because there's so many times in fiction or any story to where death can be very like ah oh, they died and that's it like you don't feel the weight of anything whenever things happen in that movie you're like oh like oh yeah oh and then like the like the twist of like the character you're like oh man well, in the visual art aspect too like i honestly oh, the gosh. number one thing so the only thing i've heard is if you've seen the movie you love it because you're yeah. human mm-hmm. <laughs> if you of course haven't seen the movie you typically say uh, it was an animated movie. I didn't really think I wanted. Mm. I'm not really into animated yeah. movies, and and like, I'm just upset because like this movie got me, and yeah. and and even before that, I'm I'm the 27 year old who still thinks The Lion King <laughs> is his favorite movie. Yeah. Um, to me, the animation carried weight mm-hmm. that live action movies often drop the ball on. Like, yeah. so I, and also I just think of you as a person making visual art and like the power of whether it's whether something is someone paints something or draws something or digitally draws something like the power of a of a picture of the image to do so much yeah you know it's awesome it's yeah so and it was a very groundbreaking movie too with uh, just how they did it and how they 
the visuals are unlike anything else that has ever come out. And I think that was like, that's one of the high points of animation excellence and mm-hmm. the idea of excellence too surrounding such, and they risked it with such a new character that could have easily just been a movie about Peter Parker, Spider-Man, oh, yeah. and then been better or then like, or been like a guarantee, like we'll sell this much, mm-hmm. but this is like risky biscuits and turned into something really excellent. Like sh- sh- overshot it. It was the risk of creativity that made it really good. But, um, I think I, that was my whole story, I hope, <laughs> at the moment. But I did leave out, like, a major part that is a major part of my life still. Okay. So I started going to Beach Grove Baptist Church when yeah, I was yeah. seven years old. And that's uh, that was because my brother, uh, Justin, was invited by his friend Chris. And um, Chris invited him. But there was a point where, like, there was a night, at least one of them. My brother had gone a couple weeks, but then there was a night where I, I couldn't stay home alone, and my mom wasn't going to be home yet, and so my brothers took me with him. And um, then I met all sorts of people. I like had uh, like I was in the children's ministry, and mm-hmm. uh, I made some really good friends like very quickly. Uh, yeah. Like the Hodge family like took me under their wing very fast. And I got to meet these people, and so I got to like kind of uh, I got that like that feeling of family got like reinvigorated into mm. me or reintegrated into me. Yeah. Whereas it was a little broken before, and it kind of the Lord's been using Beach Grove Baptist Church as like, like not a stand-in for my family, but as like somewhat as a healing of that void somewhat yeah, sure, sure. over time. So that's been really cool. And now I went through all of that and ended up uh, at the moment I'm the youth pastor at Beach Grove Woo-hoo. Baptist Church. That's so as cool, well. dude. Or, oh a God. co-youth pastor. Me and Adam Hill is the other co-pastor as well. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Um, before we dive into a couple other things and dive into some of the specifics of creative life and creative things in so much of these parts that you've described. Um, yeah, I mean, just how is that going? I mean, that's not new, new, but in the realm of like ministry life or doing things or working with students and like, that's still pretty, that's a new part of the adventure. Like, are are you doing okay? How are the things? It is a whole (laughs) new challenge. So like, uh, I've been a youth leader ever since I graduated high school. Okay. And I'd been working under, uh, Jimmy Manus for a long time. He was a, he was youth pastor there for 10 years and like really changed the way youth ministry goes at our church, which is really cool. Mm. And then, um, he had just uh, gotten a new opportunity and it was better for him and his family and all this stuff. And so it wasn't like, I'm glad he could leave like on an okay note. Like everything was fine. It wasn't anything like, Oh my gosh, this happened. Blah, blah, blah. There's enough bad church splits in the world that it's nice when someone just got a good job. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, yes, (laughs) great job. So it was also cool that like he had invested in me for a lot of that 10 years. Um, me and Adam, and there's other people there as well, like uh, my wife and some of our other leaders, have been just so influenced and encouraged and built up. Like we've been given such a firm foundation and have built even like a house at this point in the gospel yeah. because of his teaching and the way he went about teaching the gospel. And so uh, that eventually it got to a point to where me and Adam were talked to as if we were like the obvious choices, which is yeah. like crazy to us, but it's been a really big new challenge. Whereas like I hearken it, I think about like, uh, the first year of teaching is really difficult. Hmm. And then now I'm in my third year of teaching and it's so much better. It wasn't bad to begin with. It's just hard. It's a whole new challenge. Right. So now this was my, we're getting close to our last, 
uh, quarter of youth ministry because the last quarter of the school year too okay, of yeah. this first year of youth ministry, and the beginning we like started off and we're like okay, let's let's do this and it was so difficult, dude. And there's so mm-hmm. much like dealing with like these different things of like uh, disrespect and like like people not liking change because things sure, have changed yeah. away from like Jimmy being there and. Um, change is hard, and if it's church change, it's like triple hard. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. but it's been super, uh, super rewarding as of lately. I would say in the last okay, couple good. weeks, so we we got like some big wins in that sense of like people coming to know the Lord, people uh, being inspired, or like just saying thank you for what we've done. But like the first semester, we were like, I was like worn out, and I freaked out every every week that it was Wednesday. I was like, Oh man, it's Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> we got everything in place. Okay, again, I'm speaking. Okay. And so it's been nice as well. Adam and I have been able to switch off speaking pretty much every other week. Okay, cool. Had some guest speakers, and we're able to kind of take the the format that we were given from the past past youth minister, and then like to kind of put our own spin on. It. And this is yeah. where I get to be creative, and that's a really cool thing. Is like I hadn't got to have this responsibility, and I like I remember being on like on the outside of like the church staff being like, oh, I want to do that, or I think I could do that. And then now having like, there's a whole new level of, res- I don't know, or a whole new level of respect for like, oh man, this is really hard. I understand why like they go about doing things a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Respect and understanding. Yeah, people seeing why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I have the ability and me and Adam get to be creative with what we're doing, mm. which is really cool. So um, mm. it's, it's encouraging and inspiring to be able to do that but it's also it is a new challenge like i think about that i feel like every week it's i feel like almost every day i'm on spring break right now from school and from uh youth ministry stuff too so i feel like i wake up and it's always wednesday (laughs) okay we got this to happen tonight we gotta keep these kids you gotta do this keep these people in line like logistics man that's the that's the most nerve-wracking part before i was just a volunteer show up be like hey what do you want me to do jimmy okay and i was just there and i was helping (laughs) And whereas Jimmy, the whole day beforehand, had been, like, probably arranging things, getting things in order. And so also we're uh, part-time, so it's a little different, too. I'm not at the church as much because I live in Knoxville, and then my church is in Louisville where I uh, I grew up. And then um, so it's cool. It's just a a new challenge. I feel like I've grown a lot. I've been challenged spiritually a lot. Mm -hmm. And there's been several times of, like, man, I, like— I could give up, <laughs> like you know that feeling of like, yeah. ministry is hard. Yeah. I could stop. Oh, yeah. uh, and don't, do, I don't know if you could trust any person in ministry or doing yeah. ministry for any length of time that isn't like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Who if if they've ne- if they say oh it's easy it's easiest thing in the world so it, it's easy, so bro. easy I just love it so much it's that tank. it's never hard it's like. Cool, but I don't know if I can trust anything you say about anything. You must not be interacting with no. humans. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Ministry is hard. It, it's yeah. It's putting everything out there. It's it's giving yourself to people. It's 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 like showing up, but more than just like in a room, mm. but actually like showing up to connect with people and give them space to do the hardest things and talk about the hardest things and and try to lean into the deepest hope you have for stuff in the middle of stuff being real broke. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it, anybody that would say it's not a hard thing to do at any level of involvement within ministry or, or volunteer or yeah. vocational, whatever, it's, 
it's it's real and it's raw, but in that mess is also literally the best stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think someone who would say, oh yeah, it's definitely hard, but then also you can tell yeah. that the reason they're still doing it is because they see like actual hope yeah. coming out of like the muck and the mess and the struggle of people. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's so uh, it's been it's been encouraging. Uh as of late, it's been a good challenge. It's really cool also to see my wife growing and the mm. way she is and how she's dealing with it and um, what she's helping and the way she's getting to mentor some uh, younger ladies. And it's just, it's cool. It's a new challenge and it's, um, it's good. Mm. Yeah. So to ask about, uh, so to ask about the other job too. So being, um, being an art teacher, which sounds so crazy cool to me <laughs> with like, so, I mean, your own story. Um, yes. so talk a little bit more about that. Like, and some people might think it's like silly to ask this, but I don't, th- it, I, it obviously isn't like, what are the creative challenges in being an art teacher? Um, like just because, you know, it's an art doesn't mean that the creativity part would just be easy. Like yeah. it's going to have as much challenge as creative work in any other field. And, and then describe, I'd like to hear more about what you said, the difference in year three versus year one. You know, I've yeah. never been a teacher, so I'm, I'm really curious about that. So creativity, this is one of the big things I learned about through, I guess, through the graphic design part of school was that forcing creativity is probably, is one of the dif- most difficult parts mm. is I think everybody has creativity in them. If you're made in the image of God, yeah, yeah. God, first thing he does is creates. Yeah, yeah. And so we all have something that you can make. Absolutely. It's not necessarily art. You might create a solution to somebody's like bank account. Yes. But whatever absolutely. that is, you're creating. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the, like, I guess the forced creativity of like, okay, I'm in this job or I've made creativity my job or this thing. I, I have to do this every day. That's more difficult to force a new idea than the natural like, oh, I'm at this one place or maybe I went hiking and I saw this one mountain and I was like, oh man, that makes me think of this. Having a natural inspiration that leads to a creative thought is arguably easier than sitting down and saying, I have to come up with an idea right right now. and Showing up on a deadline. Yeah, Yeah. this has to happen today. I have to have this ready. I have to have this ready for this class and it has to last for 40 minutes for me at least. And so... That was a very difficult thing is just coming up with like kind of like I was given and blessed with like a mentor at school. Uh, shout out Becky Frazier for being <laughs> uh, really encouraging my first year. And she was the high school teacher. And she was originally like I think the my school, my private school I teach, it has a K through 12 school. So it's Concord Christian School. And starting um, – she started off teaching all of the grades. So had art from kindergartners through, like, I think it hadn't had a high school yet. So kindergartners through eighth grade. Yeah. Then they eventually added on a high school to it. Yeah. And then she was teaching all of those. So she added to bring in a elementary school art teacher. Yeah. So then after that, it got to where there was too many kids in art in middle school and high school. So then she hired me, the middle school art teacher. Yeah. So... Then when I got in there, she gave me the things that she used for teaching. And I've gotten a, but she's like, hey, you can do whatever you want with these projects or however you want to mm-hmm. do this. I'll show you how the standards work that we need to meet for the state. And then we'll go from there. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. So then. That trust is cool, though. Yeah, it yeah. is a lot of trust and a lot of, like, 
it was just really encouraging. I didn't feel limited at all. I, I'm almost so, you know how when we go, I grow up through like high school and like college, you're like indoctrinated by like structure, by the structure of school. Sure, sure. And you're like, okay, cool. I have somebody to tell me kind of what to do all the time. Yeah, right, right. And like, that was always me wanting to seek that out anyways as a person who grew up mainly without a father. So I was like wanting to find that. And I, I enjoy mm. having structure. I enjoy having someone here right now mm. to tell me, like ask me a question, kind of lead me a little bit and then give me creativity. That's sure. what happened in my jobs. And that's what's, like, that's how the Lord's provided for me my whole life. Or maybe that's just how I see it. But I was given that freedom to do these things. And so then once I started teaching middle school, it was just like, there was so much more than just teaching the lesson. It's like learning how to handle like kids that don't want to be somewhere oh yeah and middle school kids that don't want to be somewhere yeah learning how to discipline students was a whole nother thing how i wanted to discipline students and uh it was very different so in my experience it was a little different because i'm like when i started there i was i had to be 24 so i was 24 25 somewhere in that range so I was this younger, I guess, relative to other people around me, sure, maybe sure. considered like a cooler, younger, like black guy mm. to a lot of these students. Mm. And so it was more, they didn't see me as a teacher as much as they saw me as like a cooler, older brother. So this okay, can create, a, this creates like a, a disconnect in like, they kind of are interested in how I talk. They're interested in how I teach. They're kind of interested in what I talk about if I make it relatable to them. But they don't want to necessarily listen to me tell them what to do. Mm. And so there's a very there was a big lack of respect. So Yeah, when someone's it, the older brother, you don't really want them to yeah, discipline but, you or tell you what's up. Yeah, yeah. and so uh-huh. that's how I was, like, perceived for the first huh, year. Okay. And so it was really hard for me to, like, get students' attention. I would spend, min- like, several minutes of class. So, like, imagine I have a 40-minute class. It would be, like, 10 minutes of class, me trying to get, like, somebody's attention or get the class to quiet down. And so I'd lose a fourth of my class doing that. Hmm. And uh, it was it was really nerve-wracking. It was a lot of days where you kind of leave, like, feeling like a failure. I'm hmm. like, man, I did not teach anything today. Hmm. But, um, and I don't think that was true. That's how I felt in the moments uh, of those kind of things. Uh, the first year was tough because of that. And hmm. so... It was also, honestly, man, I getting up early every day. Like, I was so excited when I was graduating college. I was like, sweet. I can, like, make my own schedule and, like, sleep <laughs> to whenever I want to sleep and, like, do things how I want to do them. I was also working at, like, a Publix. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have, like, a crazy schedule. And, like, or I didn't have to wake up super early all the time. I was working night shifts. So I was like, oh, wake up at noon today or whatever. <laughs> like, and then go and have, like, some hours of my day and then go to work. And work till like 11 or midnight. Right. And now I'm switching. Once I got there, I had to switch to like, okay, I have to be at school at 730. And then I'm, for the first year, I was only part-time too. So I was only there till like 130 or 2. Right, right. It was crazy, man. It was freaking <laughs> nuts. Like, it was so <laughs> good, but it was so difficult at the same time. So, like, yeah. I was making... I'm still making more money than I've ever made in my life. But whenever I started there, like, I had just worked at Publix. I'd worked at fast food. I'd worked at Sonic for, like, four and a half years. This Maryville one that used right. to be, well, it used to be Hastings next to it. Now yes, right. That whole area is, like, crazy built up. But yeah, yeah. I used to work at that Sonic for four and a half years, getting, like, paid trash to do a lot of really, <laughs> really hard work. Right. It was, like, 
Gosh, I worked so many hours, but it was like I was only getting paid like seven twenty-five. Mm-hmm. There was even a point where like they made me a kitchen manager. I put quote air quotes around that. So <laughs> and like they said they were gonna give me a raise, and then I thought they did. I was just working more hours, and I'd never gotten a raise. And this was for like a year. Oh, that's and then I because <laughs> I was just new to like looking at pay stubs and things. Right. And I was like felt really cheated by the people around me. It was really sucked. So. um then coming to this new job to where, like, I don't have to walk around frying food all day. Nope. I'm not getting splashed by, like, grease and burned. and like, People actually trusted you to do yeah, it. I'm not and, getting yelled yeah. at because orders are late. And then I'm not dealing with, like, seeing people that, like, take the food out, get yelled at, and then they're sad because I sent something out the wrong way. And I don't have to deal with that anymore. But it's, like, a whole new challenge of, like, oh, man. So now... Um, now I got to teach these students. Like I'm heavily influencing young, easily moldable minds. Yeah, yeah. And I have to be like on my game like every day mm. and be there on time. There were several times where I woke. Like my first class started at eight o'clock. Yes. Yeah. First year, and there was times where I woke up at my house thirty minutes away at eight a.m. and I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I would call. I would call my principal and be like. Uh, I'm on my way, sorry, I overslept. Could you, like, step into my class? And it was so bad, and oh, I would get there. That's my like, nightmare, kids man. Kids would make fun of me, like, oh, uh, somebody oversleep. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, it, was, it was the worst. So oh, that happened a lot, but it was a, it was a learning curve. I eventually got, like, used to it, and I was better at it. And you just grow from it. You push yourself sure. from those moments. But, like, there was so much patience given towards me, so much, like, love and kindness for somebody i just went to school to be an artist like that's it my mm-hmm. degree is two-dimensional art it's a fine arts degree and that's right. it and so um with a concentration in drawing and a minor in art history and i went to school just to do that i didn't have a clue what i was going to do with that and right. the lord was like i got you fam and yeah, then yeah. gave like blessed me with this job and i started in it and things went well and they're still going well it's been a tough transition but still one of the harder things is like being creative finding a way to engage with the students Mm. and like coming up with a lesson plan that includes their creativity Mm. and kind of in a crunch time because before i was like 40 minutes so long now i'm like (laughs) oh gosh i don't have enough time to put all this in there so and then grading is just generally a drag but like (laughs) you endure it it's such like compared to sonic and all these other things I get a vacation every nine weeks. Wow. And then yeah, yeah. Well, vacation, like break from yeah, school every nine weeks. That's a big deal. I have deal, a chance though. of my job just not having to go to it because it snowed. And then. <laughs> or I they sit, said it would. And, and I get, <laughs> yeah, I get like, I'm getting a salary payment. So I'm like, this is great. I'm getting money. I don't have to be there. What? And like, <laughs> then every, every year you get like two months off your job just in the best time of the year. Go do whatever you want, and we'll we'll still pay you. It's fine. Oh, man. This is actually crazy. I understand now why people will stay teachers forever. Like, you feel like – I felt like whenever I was younger, I had had teachers in, like, elementary school, middle school, high school. Like, you could tell they've been teachers for their whole life. Yeah, for real. And so I understand now why you do that because it's so nice. Like, once you get used to putting up with students, you're like, man, this job is dope. And yet that seems like the insurmountable thing for me because (laughs) – children are terrifying and middle schoolers are a specific grade of terrifying yeah there is a courage or a mild insanity that you possess 
that I don't know if everyone carries within them. I think it's a sense of it's very funny to me. Yeah. Like a lot of the students, like middle schoolers are so funny. They're <laughs> they're great because they just are themselves. They're like they're the most like unadulterated brash point before you learn to like start concealing a little bit of your weirdness. Right. Because in high school <laughs> you start you're way more self aware at that point. Probably too like, like too much. You're like self conscious constantly. Yes. And yeah. then like you get to a point where you can start hiding who you are and all right. those things and you're not accepting what you are, what you want to do and all this stuff or what you feel called to. But in middle school, man, they like they don't necessarily have like these like this feeling of like oh what am I gonna be it's not that yet but it's just like I'm just growing up and my <laughs> voice cracks a lot and like I'll have voice cracks in front of my students and because uh, so, if, if I'm talking a lot during the day this might happen during this podcast too yeah. my voice will just crack it gets dry <laughs> this is how it goes but then they, they'll nice voice crack Mr. McBath and like, <laughs> sometimes I have to pull like a strong authority move and be like hey you don't talk to me like that I'm your teacher oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> And it's so like I love your scared middle schooler. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's such a it's such a funny world because they they're so genuinely themselves a lot of the times. Hmm. They struggle so much. They are also like light switches, but imagine a light switch that can go like like ten different directions. <laughs> And they're all different emotions, and it always has to go to the opposite side before it can go. So it can't just shift over. It has to go completely all the way across. And so it's just like things get really weird. Sometimes you just like students just unload all their emotions. Yeah, and sometimes they're just like very apathetic. And sometimes it's like very excited. They're just excited to be in school today. They love school that day, whatever it is. And then sometimes it's like... Oh, I hate everything and I hate everyone and I wish you're all dead. Like it's literally that in like a span of 20 minutes. And I just find so much humor in it deep down that it keeps me going. Oh dude, that's awesome. You, you give me hope that one day, like whatever dead part of my heart is scared of children might come back to life. I don't know. Probably that's not. That's the thing with like becoming a father though. Cause I know that I'm like, I'm influencing and encouraging them for like a small amount of time. It's like a, it's, it, that's, I guess, a mentality of like a babysitter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But like, whenever I think about like having kids, I see like people, it's not that they're the same thing, but I see people get pets and they're very like crazy over, to me, it's over attached to an animal. Like I could not feel that amount of feelings for an animal. And right. you're like doing all these different things for them. They feel like they're their best friend. Yeah. And like, to me, I'm like, dog, it's, it's just a dog or it's just a cat. <laughs> like they're nice. They're cute. Sure. But it's not like going to change my life. I don't feel like this animal will. And I don't, I guess, allow that or something. Brandy then, will have to forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I'm like, am I going to be this like heartless towards like like a child if I have a kid. But then I hear all sorts of different things like, dude, it's crazy once you have a kid, it just changes everything. So I'm hoping for the best. But right now <laughs> I'm like, I just don't care for like living <laughs> little living things, I guess, that much in that yeah. sense of like pets. Like it doesn't it doesn't change who I am inside mm -hmm. and out to where like I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't start talking differently to animals or babies or anything. <laughs> I'm like, you're a baby. Hello. <laughs> it is weird because I do talk I do talk to animals that way, but but children, I go somewhere between ignore entirely mm. to, oh, hey, man, and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Give them the deuces and go. Oh, God, I feel so bad. One of the, uh, uh, okay, before we transition into another question, there was this one moment when I was working. You, you walked past the room where I work, just a kid's room I put a table in. Okay. So I'm in there working, and one of, <laughs> one of the fellow staff's kid, who was much younger than they are now at the time, like I was just working, and all of a sudden I looked to the right, and in the and in the door is like a like a crying child, like an obviously scared crying child. <laughs> I'm a monster, dude. I feel so bad. And and instead of doing the human thing where you like rush over to him and kneel down and like ask him what's wrong and all this stuff, which all it was is he couldn't remember where his mom was, which was like in the other corner of a square building with no place to get lost. Yeah. But you're a kid, and so it's the whole world. Yeah. And instead of doing that. I keep typing on my computer and I'm like looking to the right without taking my hands off my keyboard. I'm like, hey, bud, what's up? <laughs> like, I, I just, he's just like, <laughs> and like, can't even get out the words. <laughs> and the second he's trying to communicate his deep, world shattering fear, another staff that was in another room comes in and swoops him up and just <laughs> takes him to his mom. And I, and I didn't think about how horrible I was. I was just like, oh, good, that's done. <laughs> That's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, now we have to have a transition because I'm a monster. Okay. So what are the things, um, like, what are the things in art, in music, TV, and shows, anything at all, what are the creative works that are giving Brandon the most life right now? Like and it can be anything and as many as you want. I just want to know what you're loving. Um, it's a lot of good <laughs> stuff. So, going back to my early high school, I guess all of high school and somewhat early college days, I was in a metal band. Yeah, you were. You know of this metal band? <laughs> it was called East Old Topside, and it was named after the street I grew up on. And we made metal music, and it was really cool being like. It was really cool just to play drums. It's such mm. a good, cathartic feeling. We talked about that okay. a little I'm earlier. I'm glad you brought it up. And Brandon's <laughs> a good drummer, and I love that you play drums. I need to play drums more because I haven't had a place to myself to have them set up. It's such yeah. a daggum loud instrument. <laughs> yes. So um, I haven't got to play in a while, but, like, metal music has always just been this thing. It's really weird. I grew up listening to, like, James Brown and, like, mm -hmm. Michael Jackson and, like, Temptations mm -hmm. and things of that and, like, a kind of a black culture Mm -hmm. idea and i don't know man metal just has this level of passion like yeah metal rock and roll kind of things i've always had this level of passion that like just kind of sucked me in over time i think right. it like starts with like red hot chili peppers right and you're like, oh this is <laughs> kind of groovy rocky okay and then somehow i heard system of a down because they had an old tv commercial for like their toxicity album I'm sure like, dude this is like pretty cool let's and be honest then, most people get into metal because they're watching a Dragon Ball Z music video oh, with a Linkin Park song. That's true, too. <laughs> and the Dragon Ball theme song. That stuff was like, oh, I like this. Like, yeah. it just it just came. I get, it has a level of passion to it that I think is very real and authentic and, like, you can't fake it. You yeah. can try to, but... Mm -hmm. Something about being in that band that mm -hmm. always stood out for us and uh, was that people would 
uh, they would compliment our passion. And then over time, because there was a time where we're like, we want to kind of like make it look like we're really into it on stage because you have to have a stage presence when you're playing sure. c- certain kind of music, like really riffy ref- metal music. But then it eventually got to a point where like, let's just like write stuff we really love. And then we are just hyped about it. Like, yeah. We're all just best friends. If you love the excited jams. Excited yeah. to just get into it. And so... Then that eventually got into some, like a lot of metal. My favorite metal band right now, still Devil's Prada. Mm. They 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 have like grown and changed oh, yeah. with me, like in the same order of time, I guess. Yeah. And so every album is different, a little more mature. Is the newest matured. one still the Transit Blues? Yeah, Transit yeah, Blues still great. the newest. It was really and then good. they 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 put out like a cover of some song, but that's about it. They haven't put anything else in a little bit. Yeah. And then so they're always encouraging. Um, but, like, there's some newer stuff I've been listening to. So I really like like all facets of music. And mm-hmm. a lot of it that I find is just really passionate or really encouraging. Like, that stuff's the best. So I am very um, – I think it's one thing I kind of formed over time, too, with just knowing Christ and knowing, like, the gospel – is that a lot of Christian music is really corny. Yes. Like a lot of, and it's like yes. bad. It's not good art. Yeah. And it's used just to make money, and that's like almost evil. So, sure, sure. Uh, like, I, I found that, like, I'm not going to limit myself. There was a time when I was younger, I would limit myself to just, like, Christian artists. And it was oh, yeah. cool to know that, oh, I believe in this, I believe in Jesus now. And there's yeah. these people rapping about this or they're talking yeah. about this, singing about this, making metal music about this. And yeah. that that was, like, a safer place. I think a lot of us went through that. And, you know, and you know what? I don't necessarily know that that's, like, ultimately bad. Mm-hmm. If it remained that way forever, probably. Yeah. But I almost wonder if it gave me the safe space. Like when you say that, it made me think it was through bad Christian metal bands I wouldn't listen to now. Now there are plenty of really great yeah. metal bands that have Christians in it, but like it but the ones I got into as like some bad Christian metal bands yeah. that were the permission to me even to love a style of music mm-hmm. that will never stop shaping my life. So I think it was. I think yeah. it's fine, but you got to lay it down yeah. at some point too. And yeah. they're, they're like your intro into it. Well, and I think there's different facets of those things, like those corny early Christian metal albums. Yeah, yeah. They're like corny to us now, but you enjoyed that then. Like that was your your level of music at that point. Sure. Like, I don't I don't really listen to them much, but like right now for a lot of my middle schools, like Twenty One Pilots is sure. like the big oh, yeah. thing. But I don't know much of their music, but I'm betting it's like kind of corny. <laughs> but I haven't really given them much right, of a chance. Right, right. Like, I mean, they, you know, I think they're talented. They do good stuff. It's it's not my jam, mm-hmm. but I have also seen the fanatic level be super strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super strong. So, like, I think we had that, and I had things like that in, like, all sorts of different arenas. But it helped me grow into, like, what is good music in general and what is excellence yeah. versus what is mediocrity to make money. Sure. And so that's something that's shaped like who I am somewhat and hearing different uh, artists, music, whatever it is. And I, I think about that often because it was so much just like stay away from things that say cuss words. Like that was the only thing that yeah. was talked about. Right. And now because I'll play music during my classes at school while people while students are drawing. And um, I'm like, hey, could you play a song that doesn't have cuss words in it? And I, That's I, all they care I get about. to, yeah, I get to tell the message. I get to explain, like, it's not about if there's cuss words in it or not. Like, that's not the premise. The more important thing is what is the message or the meaning behind what they're telling you. I could make a, I could, I could hear, I've heard songs and I could make a song. It's about really evil stuff without saying any cuss words. Absolutely. And it could get into your head and make you think about bad things and make you dwell on and 
help you maybe like encourage you to sin, like those things aren't good. And so uh, I have, I know the music I'm picking to play for you and I, I do it for a reason. And um, so going from that, like music right now, if you, uh, like King's Kaleidoscope, man, there's some of the, the best in the, in the biz with like just creative excellence and oh, yeah. like that's even like in a visual sense too and oh, yeah. they're making all this really good music they're including all these instruments yeah. it's so unique every time they make something yeah, and some multimedia stuff like yeah. they make some videos and things that go mm -hmm. along with things and then and they'll do like a live set of like the whole thing after it comes out and it's super mm -hmm. cool they do that their so album they're just, art too yeah they're just really in tune with what something creative is mm -hmm. and it's really encouraging and they push the boundaries too of like what what is Christian music? Like one of their songs drops the f bomb in it, and oh, yeah. like, Whoa! but it's like not in a sense of like, it's not in a sense of oh that's a bad word you can't talk about that. But he's using it as like a the, as a way of explaining the gravity of like yeah. how bad he is feeling. And then oh, yeah. that song, a prayer, it's um it's so cool how he goes oh. about doing that because it's like yeah. so real, and he's saying like. Fear is violent, and it is this level of violence and, like, yeah. anxiety I have in my heart that is, like, destroying me. Jesus, yeah. where are you? Jesus, where are you? And yeah. So he's praying to the Lord, and, that, and that's an openness and honesty that I didn't feel like I got as much when I was younger as a Christian. Oh, yeah. and I, But I wasn't aware of it either because I was just— you're kind of young and naive at yeah. the beginning stages. And you haven't lived sense. as much life in some mm -hmm. senses, that's too. True. You know, like, I, not to say I didn't have, like— emotional trauma or mm -hmm. things that felt horrible or, or like broken relationships or whatever as a kid. I mean, like you also do a lot of harm assuming kids don't know anything. Yes. Like if you remember your own childhood, like some of your deepest wounds are like as, as a little kid. So kids know stuff and they feel stuff, but there is a degree to which, especially in like how your moral compass is developing and you're like super small, limited black and white versions of like a faith within that life too. And things actually growing to be more, this is a big intense, hmm. like gray world. And there's a lot more that's like within the freedom of being a person. Yeah. Like, and even being like a Christ following person than these tiny little, you know, lenses give you. Yeah. And, and I, you bring up that song. I thought that was really good too, because at the time I first heard that, King's Kaleidoscope song. It um, it's, it's you know it's got this cuss word in it, but I mean I mean it broke me like it, it yeah. because it 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 was a song that said things that your guts feel mm -hmm. when it's at the worst point, right? Yeah. And um, that's a normal thing in music. A lot of songs shouldn't be a bow at the end and tie yeah. it up. Just be in the middle of whatever it is. R really great joy. Really good. Really hard pain. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting. Okay. I'm sorry. More, more things that Brandon's <laughs> loving and listening to now. No, but uh, like that has widened those things that I feel like I'm allowed to see this or listen to this. Like mm, the yeah. Lord didn't say you can't do this. The Lord, like biblically, like Paul talks about us discerning what is good and what is yeah. evil. And like the idea of like what to you might be sin may not be sin right. uh, for others. Oh, yeah. And I think that's important to do well because I could see it. This, here's the scary part about it. I could see it so easily being used as a cop out of like, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> like I could mm. go be this person. I can go change this or whatever. I don't have to actually follow Jesus. I can just kind of get sure. the get the grace and then go out. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what I'm doing. It's just that I can see like what affects me in whatever different way it is. So. Yeah. Um, some other people that I've been listening to was like this guy named Toby Nuigwe. 
Okay. And he's so good. It's like you won't be able to find his name because I'm saying it, but I'm going to spell it out because he's so good. Okay, good. So Toby is T-O-B-E. He's, and then his last name, Nuigwe, is N-W-I-G-W-E. And he is so creative and so encouraging. His music videos are insane every time. He's a rapper. Okay. And he is doing all this crazy stuff, and he's working so hard. Like, mm. And I think about this with, like, Logic works so okay, yeah. hard. I think you showed me. I think you were the person that showed me Logic, yeah. like, first time ever. It's so, he's so good. And then... Like, people that are, like, making all this different stuff while other stuff's coming out on, like, on the sides. Like, I think Logic's just released a book or is uh, releasing a book that has a soundtrack to it that is his rap music. But it's all original stuff. Wow. And then he's got other albums coming out. Like, he's doing so much. But Toby <laughs> Nwigwe does the same thing to where every Sunday he has this thing called Get Twisted Sundays. And it's, like, a – it's a it started off with, like, a vi- shorts on, like, Instagram. Yeah, and now yeah. it's full videos on YouTube. And their songs. He makes an original song every week and oh puts it out on every Sunday. And they're insane. <laughs> and he's incredible. got, up to this point, he's got three collections of them. So it starts off with one. First one's called The Originals. Second one's called More Originals. And the third one's called Three Originals. <laughs> and so, and they're just oh, like awesome. these groups of 10 or 11 songs. And they're so clever. He, like, works with his wife. And, his, like, he talks about his wife on literally every song. Oh, that's and, pretty awesome. Uh, it's it's so cool to see him bring back really good rapping, like mm. crazy different flows, not like the standard Migos flow thing that's mm-hmm. going around, and it's not just all this like trap beats. Mm-hmm. It's he's he's, uh, he's a first generation uh, Nigerian, so okay. or is it second generation? Whenever your parents are from a foreign country. Oh gosh, but I feel like I'll get corrected. That sounds like it would be second, right? Yes, if your parents were the. Person? Yes, so I think okay. he is second generation Nigerian. Math. Yes, so his parents were originally from Nigeria, yeah, yeah. came to America, lived in like Texas, and now he's grown up here and like was on par, I think, to get like a, I think it was like a scholarship, a football scholarship. He played in college, but he almost got to the NFL, but then like hurt his knee or something. Okay. And it always like rapped or made beats or something and has just started doing it more, and it's insane. Uh, he does such a good job with that, and it's so encouraging to see him do that. Mm. So that. That stuff is just cool to see somebody doing that, doing it well, or doing it excellently without making frivolous stuff that's just talking about nothing or mm-hmm. encouraging drug culture, encouraging violence, encouraging mm-hmm. misogyny. It's not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. And it's also clever. It's, like, hilarious. And it's um, it glorifies the Lord. He's a Christian. And, like, mm-hmm. he intermingles it all so well and it's not under this guise of like oh this is a christian rapper it's just a guy that raps hard who's mm. also obviously a christian like you can yeah, see it in what he says yeah. and how he does it if you Love pay it. attention to lyrics at all which a lot of people just don't at this point but a lot of local or like not local guys but like um younger rapper dudes like mm. uh paris Cariz is one of those jerry mana is another mm. guy and they they have this thing called super splash brothers it's really good and like <laughs> I love oh, it. it's like four songs they're insane what up rg yeah he's like blowing up oh, yeah. he's on uh reach records now with did you listen to the newest one? Oh, yeah. oh yeah raul's insane yeah. it's so deep and then so like hard hitting and it's like mm-hmm. seven songs I think it's like 18 minutes or something, like mm-hmm. the whole thing, but it's so good. Then metal-wise, there's this band called Architects. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Architects from UK, and then, like, uh, they have this new album called Holy Hell, 
which is insane. It's so good. I didn't ever yeah. listen to him before. I'd heard a lot like, hey, you need to listen to him. Hey, you need to listen to him. And I finally listened to him on this album. And it's so good because I think the whole album, too, is the last album, they were talking about it some. But, like, I think the vocalist's brother, I believe, yeah. or one of the band members, well, two of the band members are brothers. One of them had cancer. Mm. And he, by this album, he's passed away. Oh, wow. And so this whole album is the response to his death somewhat and talking about these different things. Jeez. And okay. it's so heavy and cool. Mm. And so my boy uh, Obed Padilla has mm. some new stuff out that's, like, really, like, groovy, funky with, like, this... Um, uh, he's Hispanic, but, like, he's like, got these different influences of, like, that James Brown, like, funk and, yeah, yeah. like boogie kind of feeling and stuff too but okay. it's he lives in oceanside california mm. and all these like flavors and things mixed yeah, together yeah. and it's so good that sounds so amazing. that's been really encouraging but that's a lot of the music i guess i've been listening to oh the proper proper dose by the story so far that's yeah. the newest album shoot son that, yeah. you can just put it on repeat let's do it really quick i think they got me a, back it's a I, good, I think i haven't been album. super stoked since like yeah. that first album under soil and dirt i think yeah, yeah. that like kind of kind of hooked me but yeah, yeah. Proper then Dose is great. Proper Dose is like, man, it's so good to get into. And it's a whole lot less sad than their other ones. Mm. Like, he seems like he's overcome some things. But he's also still, like, he's just more opened up about some stuff. So, <laughs> sorry, I hit the mic there. Um, but uh, it's really cool. And then um, let's talk about TV shows and animes and movies and things. I'm surprised that, like, the world, I mean, I bet the nation or the world has, like, gotten tired of superhero movies, but... They're just getting better and better. Because they just get better. They're, it doesn't make any sense. They've gotten so much better. They're dealing with all these different issues. They're really well done. Yep. And I Special understand effects, if you're like, acting. oh, I don't know. I don't want to watch all these movies. I got you. But like. You're wrong. I, I'm just I, 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 <laughs> I am getting to experience like on April 26th when Endgame comes out. <sighs> I'm going to get to experience like the culmination of like 12 or 13 years of movies coming out. That's so, it seems so much larger scale than just like a TV show series finale or something. Mm -hmm. It is like all these things, all these people and all this time to get to know all these characters coming together where you don't need an intro for anybody. We don't need some origin story anymore. It's just everybody coming together and you're making a great story, which was yeah. never thought possible. And these comics could do it because you could draw all these people. But right. now you're getting them all actual people to act and do all these things so i'm i'm really excited for endgame i showed a lot of my students that trailer like five or six times last friday when it came out <laughs> and um that's awesome or last week when it came out and then i'm also like all those movies are great i'm really excited for home uh, uh far from home the next spider-man yeah. one son so I'll jump in right here to let you know that this transition was brought to you by Brandon and I talking at length about Avengers in-game theories. And so I'm just going to take that away so nobody gets upset or nobody yells at me. Okay, and now we're back in. Uh, so that's going <laughs> to, I feel like that's going to happen. And they'll be able to just, they got the freedom now. They have everybody's money. They could, they could make a movie about any random, obscure Marvel thing, yep. and you're going to be like, oh, it's, I'm, I'm going to see it. I mean, it's part of the MCU. Yeah. And they've created a universe it's of true. movies, which is unique. And I don't care if you're tired of superhero movies. They're insane. Yeah. There are also a lot of like good movies coming out and stuff. So things that have been crazy influential to me, uh, you talked about Lion King making you cry. The Because <laughs> I, I never, honestly, it's, I don't think in my, like, 
conscious state of mind, I've sat and watched all of Lion King and as an adult, definitely. So I definitely haven't seen like the themes and things going on. Rage, we need breathing. To, we, we need to have a night together. But here's the thing. And I can recommend this movie to you too because you'll definitely see the resonance. The Good Dinosaur. Okay, so you somehow Pixar. haven't seen it yet. It's, it, was very, it was There was two Pixar movies that came out in one year because it was The Good Dinosaur and then I think either it wasn't Up. But it was something else. It wasn't Coco, though, either. Some Pixar movie that came out in the same year. It might have been like a sequel to Cars or something. So this movie got kind of like didn't get as much uh, press. Right. But The Good Dinosaur, man. It is... It's the only movie that I've ever cried in. Really? Yes. And it is... Because it has a very... Very similar plot to okay. The Lion King. That's why I bring it up. So okay. please, I have it on Blu-ray, and I would get it to you if we saw each other more than once a year. But <laughs> I would love it if you yeah. could watch because it came on the other day. We got this YouTube TV thing, and like it was just on. I was like, okay, yeah, turn it to that, and we just watched like kind of like the middle to the end of it. And I was like, still like, gosh, my heart right now. <laughs> this movie. So it's really good, and the way they make the forests and mountains look in that movie are like realer than real life feeling. Okay, interesting. Because the, the yeah. dinosaur is so cartoony looking that it seems funny, but then the little boy is like his dog in this movie. Right. He acts more like a primitive dog kind yeah, of yeah. thing, like caveman sort of situation. And then um, how it all plays out is just insane. It's such a good movie, hmm. and you will feel so many feelings. And you, the moment you cry, will yeah. def- I feel like there's a definitive moment where okay. like, it will break you. It doesn't take much. I, I, I cry a lot. Brandon, oh, okay. we're different in this way. So that is true. I feel I feel my feeling more. No, I, I wish you could have some of mine. <laughs> That's like fair. you could have some of mine and I could like be able to like like sleep and focus more in my yeah. life. Uh, so dude. that movie was very influential and very encouraging. That showed me like the emotional level that you could make a movie. Like I would love mm. to work at Pixar or Marvel one day. Oh, would be yeah. crazy. Like that would be uh. a dream to be able to do that somewhat. Then video games. Wise, okay, yeah. Tell me is, why, because it's it's my life. I know it's your life. Like, I want to know like what's happening, but also in the bigger ethos way. Like, why do you love games? Why are games so important? Because I, I know they are. They're so yeah, good. They're so important. So I actually recently there's a um, there's this new thing on YouTube called Girlfriend Reviews, and she like blew up out of nowhere because I like I like watching reviews, interviews, and podcasts. Like just hearing good conversation and people speak well mm-hmm. about something in, in an excellent way. So. She started, she just made a video. It was really funny because it was just like, this isn't a review of this video game. This isn't a review of Red Dead Redemption 2. This is a review of what it's like to be uh, the girlfriend of somebody who plays Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> and so she reviews wow. things as like a backseat gamer yeah, in yeah. a sense. And some of them, she, like, she started to go through some herself. And then uh, and her most recent one, she talks about the new Devil May Cry 5, and uh, it's apparently, like, insane, and everybody's like, what? And they didn't expect it to be that good. I'm, I've never been a Devil May Cry person, but seeing these reviews I'm just not makes, good enough. I'll be honest. They're really hard. want to get into it. So um, she talked about at the beginning is one of the things she's realized starting to watch her boyfriend play video games more, it's the same way I feel is, like, it's a culmination of all the art forms. Yes. And you can – so there's, like – you have all this excellent writing. If it's done well, like there's obviously really crappy video games. Yes, every medium, And there's really yeah. cheesy video games. There's video games that are just like, this is Fortnite. You shoot people in Fortnite. You build a wall. Fortnite. Call it like you see it. And then middle schoolers freak out about Fortnite. But then it's like, oh, Apex came out. What? But that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. That's like a like a diplomatic situation I have to be in a classroom if somebody says, Apex is better. 
kids like get like, them's fighting words <laughs> in my private school. It's stupid. So, um, but those can just be very plain games. It's just a game to be a game. Whereas some games can be this like deep emotional experience, much like a movie, much like a novel, yeah. and they're written equally as well. Yep. So and there's 40 hours yeah, of them, or 200 hours yeah, of them, depending on the amount of hours in the game. And so it's written on that excellent artistic level. It's also acted on an artistic level. So you yep. have like voice acting, which is a thing, but then you also might have mocap where like people are like, their faces are being tracked, facial captured yeah. and stuff to where you see that happen as if it's a real person. Yeah. It's just a digital thing. And then you have the artists who have to draw and texture everything in it to replicate real life, if not look better. Yeah. And, uh, with like just the amount of graphical things that oh, yeah. game systems can do now, like I'm fine. Like I don't need a new uh, graphics card at this point. No. I don't even know what they could really do, but like yeah. it is so insanely good looking. And um, so you have all these visuals, you have this fantasy world or real world, whatever it is. And you can create such a deep emotional thing that you are actually controlling. Yes. Then that is a whole nother factor. So you have the visual art, you have the, theatrical art you have the writing and then fourth you have the control that you have oh yeah so um uh and then then there's also the music of course yeah the sound the design i mean there the are games design. that are like what like 16-bit like old games from our childhood or yeah. n64 zelda songs mm -hmm. that will never ever leave the consciousness yeah like oh, and um because i'm also youtube videos have been a big big inspiration too and there's a guy named nerd writer and yeah. he like oh. he writes he's just it's an essay it's like yeah. if essays were cool like i don't know why english <laughs> teachers didn't talk about the power of an essay being really well yes. done they just made you write them but like this guy writes an essay about stuff he cares about which are like nerdy things usually or just usually just cultural things yeah so he did one about like what does it's called what does magic sound like and it's about harry potter Ooh. and like i never i never read the harry potter books i saw all the movies they were great i liked it the whole concepts dope yeah but the way he talked about it made me like re-interested in it because as somebody you did you read the harry potter books uh, yeah I did. so somebody reading the harry potter books did you ever think of what noise was happening whenever they when guardian leviosa or like no. expecto patronum mm -mm. no my <laughs> so, brain just kind of pictures pictures you know yeah and so i think that is an incredible feature to be able to take words that don't have much meaning like Knowing that there's a powerful spell, like which is right. expecto patronum, yeah. it is the manifestation of your hopes and dreams or like yeah. goodness. Yes. And so there's so many layers of that, just like oh, sure. visually yeah. and like emotionally, mentally. But then somebody had to make a noise for it, and so he goes ah, into the detail yeah, yeah. of what would that sound like. And it's this whole thing of, for that one, it talks about how it's like this, this like humming and like like choral sort of sound mm. and like vibration, like not a, not a whoosh. But it's like this, like hallelujah, almost chorus, yeah, like deep, yeah. far away. But it's like resonating all this light and stuff. Like that is a level of artistry or creativity that's like that's so insane to me. That's mm -hmm. so cool. So um, he talks about that in there. So that sound design is also in the game. So this game is an entirely made up thing. Mm -hmm. They didn't go outside and record, videotape any of it, and then just put you in it. They made an entire world just like any book does like any movie yeah, does any any of these things or any play or any of these yeah. situations or any song and then 
they make this whole world that you are then free to go around in, depending yeah. on the game. Some of them are linear, some of them are open world, like God of War has been. Oh, gosh. Dude, it was crazy. I played those, uh, the original three. I played, I didn't play all of them, and I definitely didn't beat all of them, but like I played them hack and slashy, very violent, kind of yeah. over the top with like gore and stuff. Yeah. Okay, story. An yeah. okay story. Yeah. This new one is like a continuation. It's yes. technically the fourth one, and it is so deeply good yeah. and dealing with these crazy themes of like that you would never think a video game would deal with of like fatherhood mm -hmm. and uh, like emotional repression and oh my dealing gosh, with yes. parental love and yeah. how that can be so many different spectrums mm -hmm. and like the like ferocity of like protection of parental love like oh, especially yeah. by the end like with the final boss and stuff and like generational anger yeah like, like a son's anger model oh, after yeah. a father's anger like yeah it's, gosh like that's crazy it would be hard to write an essay about that i wouldn't yeah. understand that if you wrote that just an essay. if it was like a boring wins a lot of awards movie no one saw because mm -hmm. that's like a genre right like <laughs> yes. like like movie most that, indie movies right right or yeah. even the ones that win like awards and have the high pay actors and no one saw it except the critics who like vote for awards or something yeah but like most of those wouldn't do a, as good of a job as this did mm -hmm. and it's a video game people will look down on and like you're hacking stuff with an axe. Yep. But amidst all of that is one of the richest relational fiction stories I'll ever probably experience. Yep. Period. And it's it's cool too because that can like I was talking about a little earlier is like the idea of high art and low art. Like high mm -hmm. art hangs in a gallery. That's pretty much the only difference. Mm. And or it occurs in galleries. Mm. And low art is like everything else outside of it. It makes it sound like there's a supremacy, but honestly more people in real life experience low art more. Right. And it affects them way more than high art. Um, and high art's really academic. So with a video game, it's it's like at the lowest of the low of all these new mediums. Like photography is caught up to being like, oh, this is a very, very well-respected art form now. Video is now like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do that. Even digital video. But video games like, oh, those are still for kids. But like people are putting all that stuff together to culminate in something even more excellent than all of them alone could yeah. make. Like reading the script for God of War wouldn't be nearly as good as playing no, God of War. You gotta walk Hearing the, the music for God of War would not it would only remind you of how good it was to play God of War. And then seeing still concept art piece that people hand drew that looked beautiful would only make you want to think about, man, I want, I want to play this game again. Because it's an experience that's <laughs> yeah. so much deeper than than just doing those things individually. You're doing it all at once. You're yeah audibly hearing it you're um you're controlling the story somewhat by playing it right. you're um watching the visuals of the thing you just tapped on this little plastic thing occur in this yeah. hyper real 3d arena in the screen that you're looking at yeah but it's all happening because of what you're well, doing. and you solve the mystery yeah. you win the epic battle yeah and you, you make are the, the choice yeah. that like like especially in games like mass effect that have Ma which is a joke, but like mass effect on the world you're playing. Like th that was an amazing series to me mm -hmm. because even though some of its graphics and some of its gameplay got annoying at times, the idea that in a trilogy of space sci-fi amazing game, mm -hmm. the choices were so in-depth that I could take a character through three games and their choices are impacting all three games to the level of that character doesn't exist in the sequel to this game for me because they died in my first game. Or yeah. this entire race of aliens 
exploded because the game made you choose between two aliens mm. and they're just not in the third game. Like that's like that stuff shows like gravitas and teaches like consequence and things. And I'm not saying, I mean, movies and books, every, Everything we does. love those yes. things. And you don't get video games without the history of yeah, stories and those mediums. Those but there's something about, yeah, I'm sitting there, even though it's the, digitally animated character mm -hmm. it is grady on his couch deciding what half of the galaxy like lives it's like yeah. oh this is this is a different thing <laughs> it's got real heavy <laughs> uh, but uh, you like it and like i've found that now it's not surprising like i go into a game i won't buy bad games no. like i'm i'm getting bougie about video there's too games many good ones to play there's too many good ones to play i ain't wasting my time because games take up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm getting that good art. Like, I'm going to make sure, like, this is good before I buy it or it appeals to me in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, God of War is definitely one of those games. Red Dead Redemption 2, man, oh, I haven't oh. even gotten through the whole thing. It's taken – it's in the way they pace everything, the way – the controls even. Yeah. Like, how you have to go through that game is just generally slower than yes. all of the video games. But it's on purpose and it's for a reason. And yes. it's – so excellently well made yep. and so like rockstar always does that because they take their time they're like okay we're gonna make this game for like five or six years when it comes out it's gonna get it's gonna sell millions of copies right. we're gonna make billions of dollars off it and it's every time it's a guarantee at this point like i will trust anything that that company makes mm -hmm. because of what they've done in the past and so i want to i want to be i'm inspired because i want to be an artist like that i yeah. want to make such continually good stuff that's experimental that I put up, I, I take my time to do, I push for it, I try new things, I risk stuff, mm -hmm. but then it still has that high quality marking of like, man, this wasn't like even my favorite game, but it was so good that I, I love it. Well, and that's going to get you to the place you're talking about of this, this piece, mm -hmm. this character, this thing I worked on. It may not have changed the whole world, yeah. but for the people that loved it, mm -hmm. it changed something in their world. Yeah. Because, like, like, not to get, like, too meta or whatever, but really, like, that's what these kind of pieces of art do for us. Like, yeah. they, maybe it's not, I mean, a lot of them are in some big ways, but, like, even if they're not changing the next guy's world, mm. like, it, it actively shaped me. Yeah. Like, if whatever percentage of life kind of, like, almost lives in, like, the perception of it. Like, I'm like, it's like how I experienced it, you know, like, like the way the game or the show or the song or something came into my story yeah. changed my story. Like it became a part of my story. It became something that drove other things that happened in the story because it showed up. Yeah. Um, and that, I think our hope is that that doesn't create like a fear or like a, so I'm too afraid to try and yeah. make good things or, or I'm too afraid of the responsibility. Cause yeah. once again, this comes back to like, there's a lot of grace for it too. Yeah. You know, like there's like, there's so much grace for bad art, which yeah. is amazing. Cause you will never make good art until you make a lot of bad art. Yeah, for sure. Like it's the, the only path forward for ever making good art is to make bad art. Yeah. And the only way to make great art is to make good art for a long time when you no great art exists and you're yeah. not quite getting it, but you still keep making good art yeah. and one day start tapping into great art. And the, and the beauty of it too is I think we tap into great in little awesome little glimpses. It's yeah. like, it's kind of like that, like, like it's like, I don't know. It's like the hidden treasure. It's the treasure in the field. It's like very like, I don't know. It's almost like a, 
kingdom of God parable or something yeah. where it's like you get that little glimpse. Like, yeah. you know, it's like most people aren't going to go look at one of those super old drawings they did or that song they wrote a long time ago. Um, you know, cause you've moved on, you're doing better stuff and whatever. But, but I think all of us that are trying to make creative work have had experiences where something in that thing, mm-hmm. even if it maybe even didn't come out or sound the way we wanted it to, something about it and how real it was or how much it changed you in the process or how much you would never show it or play it for anyone ever again, but something it did the one time someone saw it or you played it at a place and it, it literally like changed someone's life or something. It's like, dang, I make, I make way better art than I did 10 years ago. Like I hope I make way better art than now in five years, but like, but there are stories from like 10 years ago of my life where something I did that I would think is trash shaped a part of the world. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a freaking thing. <laughs> like that's amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, that's, I guess that's like the hope of what I want to do. And yeah. I, I think what we're both trying to do creationally and like aspirationally, like we want to just do something well. And I, uh, I'm reading a book actually by Thomas Terry and, uh, I can't, I think his name is Brian Lister. It's the Humble Beast record label. Yeah. They have uh, made a book called Images and Idols. And it's about creativity and like, where does, what is the point of creativity? It's comparing creativity and theology. What is the point of creativity in the Christian life? And um, so whenever we're being um, like in that book, one of the big parts of it was like the idea of dealing with, the idea of dealing with, idolization of or like idolatry in creativity. So it'd be really easy for both of us to seek out our creativity more than seeking out God. Oh, sure. And so then you have to learn to balance that and know that our creativity is made by God for us to serve God with, not for us to just, a lot of people now are making art for art's sake. And just like, okay, I'm just going to, and that's a part of the book is uh, like in the second or third chapter, the idea of like, just make this art just to make art. And just because I want to make good art, I want people to see it. I want them to be encouraged, inspired, whatever. But that's all I'm making it for rather than I'm making this art so that God will be glorified somehow. And so that's, there's a shift there. And that's, that's what I'm trying to think about as I make artwork. Uh, I'm not thinking like, okay, every thing, every line I make has the worship of the Lord. It's not necessarily like that. It's just that thinking of the idea of like, oh, me drawing, me creating, that's a form of worship. Hmm. Me thinking about what I'm going to make, that's a form of worship because I'm made in the image of God. And if I'm making stuff for God, like like this is just a cycle that continues and he's mm. giving me the ideas. He's fueling me and I want to be open to that, to take that in so that I, I'm not thinking, Oh, I've got to come up with the answer. I've got to come up with a lesson plan. I've got to, I've got to make this thing. I've got to manifest this idea. Like that is where I bet a lot of artists get burnt out and afraid and yeah. scared because that's, you can't manage that on your own as a, just a human being. But yeah. with the Lord fueling you, that's where you can say my creativity, like just like my hope, my trust, and my help come from the Lord, my creativity comes from the Lord as well. Like it's not just up to my wellspring or my library of, vi- my visual library of like what I've seen, like, oh, I've got to see more of this and that so that I can make this and that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can see, like you can see what you've seen and whatever you have, the Lord can do something 
move something out of you into the world and create it from your brain because you saw the stuff, you've seen his creation, you've seen, you know of his creation in you and what he's creating. And so you just create. And uh, that's like, there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of encouragement in that. There's inspiration in that. But it's also responsibility, once again, of like, you shouldn't just, you can't just be half-heartedly creating. Like you, um, and this is something I struggle with. It's so, I, felt, I find it's, like we were talking about the emotion thing. Um, like it's easy for me to be apathetic about stuff. I can get to a point where it's like, nothing really matters. I just, I'm tired or I don't want to do this. And like you get that Jerry Seinfeld voice. But uh, you get that feeling of like, oh, I, this wasn't great. So I'm done. Hmm. I got some mentality I got to deal with my students a lot is like they feel fixed in what they can do. Like I'm the sports guy. I play sports ball. Yeah. And like that's what they do. But I'm like, have you tried this? Like do this and see what happens. Yeah. And then, but I was like, when you lose a game, you don't quit that sport forever. Sure. You, or when you miss a pitch or whatever it is, you, you fail in some aspect of that sport. You just get back up and do it again. That was yeah. the coolest part about the Captain Marvel movie. It's like, Ooh. let's see where she keeps oh, getting back up. Oh, like, I freaked out. I was like, I'm resonating on such a deeper level. It I, was really metal. It was yeah. bad, 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 yeah. bad. You just get ready to punch bad guys. It was, uh, so, <laughs> it was so dope. And that was really cool. Sidebar, Captain Marvel movie talk. Um, that, that, her story resonated with me on a crazy deeper level. Like, being a, a black guy, like, raised mostly around white people, mm. I felt torn between two worlds oftentimes. Like, mm-hmm. I obviously didn't fit in with white people mm-hmm. because I was a different color. And if I tried to talk about something or do something, it was brought up often like, oh, you're black. Like, uh, you do this. And, like, a lot of stereotypes and things were thrown right. on me or, like, expectations that were weird and, uh, like, just different racial tension things. Yeah. Then with black people, though, like, uh, <laughs> some people may be surprised if they're just listening to this. <laughs> like, they may be like, oh, he's black. <laughs> like, they might not realize it because there's an expectation of how black people sound, how they act, mm. and all these things, which isn't right, obviously. But, like, being around my cousins or something or certain parts of my family, yeah. they expected me to act different, but I just wasn't raised in the same way. They were raised mm. in a more, like, like downtown part of life, like a more sure. urban area. And I was raised in Louisville, Tennessee, son. Yeah. Like, we out here in these woods. So <laughs> uh, I, I was raised between these two things, and... Mm. A lot of my friends were white growing up, and, like, we, those are the people that showed care towards me, whereas, like, my black family would be, like, mad at me because I didn't deal with the same things they did. Mm-hmm. And it was this tension between them. And those things have been – there's a lot of restitution and things happening right mm-hmm. now. But um, Carol Danvers going from that, like, alien world yeah. that she obviously felt like she didn't fit in there right. and was having these flashes of, like, another life, another world yeah. that she'd been ripped away from, like, mm-hmm. that – resonated with me in like a crazy way i was like Mm. it was kind of weird i was like this is resonating with me more than like t'challa's story on in black panther whereas Mm. his was like i have to now step into the role of a leader and be the king that was his whole conflict was becoming the king he had the powers Mm -hmm. he knew the stuff but now he had to truly become his own king which is Mm. like we can take that for ourselves too and that like i've dealt with things in that nature sure but there's a little bit like as Americans, especially like monarchies, and don't make as much sense to us. Like right. you don't, yeah, you don't sure. honor an, a monarchy as much. Um, or you have like some deep-seated like America. Like if someone says the <laughs> word king, you're like England ain't gonna take over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so like that doesn't resonate as much. Whereas like this 
like white woman's story in this thing and she represented way more than that obviously mm. but like I resonated with that, like, oh, she's, like, torn between these two worlds and trying to just figure out who she is, like, who right. she wants to be. So now I can I can go between, like, a lot of, like, different, or like, I can go between different levels of black people, like, very, like, maybe well-off black people, very hood black people that are doing these different things. I can deal with very, like, impoverished white people, or like, like, people that grew up in, like, different trailer communities, apartments, yeah. these things, or maybe very well-off white people right. or... All this different stuff, I can navigate that now. I'm a bridge between that. Me and my brother mm. have talked about that because we have the same sort of upbringing in that sense. We both deal with that. Yeah. And because people will try to make fun of me for speaking properly. Mm. And like, and like, and that's also more just making fun of like their idea. It's more of like a racist comment towards like black people should talk stupid. <laughs> right. Mm. And, and like in an honest sense, but they don't think about it that way. But why do you talk like that? You shouldn't talk like, you should be like, yo, dude, like, say all these different things. Yeah. Uh, like, you should talk differently. And so I've dealt with that a lot. And that's been a big, like, catalyst for why I do what I do. Hmm. And uh, so sidebar from, like, art and things, like, yeah. Yeah. Captain Marvel is dope. That's that just so cool that, like, going into it, not expecting to be even, like, the target audience yeah. of a film. And it being like, oh, crap, this film is reading my mail and telling me my story. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. Which is art. Uh, it's yeah, so good. and that's why it's art. Because, like, any, <laughs> yeah. anybody can do that. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, the last question, and it's, it's kind of open, so do with it what you will. Um, but what would you say in art, uh, in marriage and creativity um what are the things that are requiring great vulnerability from you right now especially to see growth so in the creative world and being a creative everywhere you go and in every space you walk like what are the things that are requiring a lot of vulnerability from brandon right now yeah um first thing i think about is the youth ministry job and so being a youth minister is it's it's such a different kind of world in a sense of like I've got to be there for these students I don't get to see them as often as I'd like to and uh like I've got to get to know them and then teach them deeper spiritual truths mm. all at the same time and then also while being like logistically like ready for all these different things going on trying to plan events plan sermons plan Plan, 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 like different <laughs> yeah. things. That's been stretching me like vulnerability wise because I've got to put myself out there, but I've also got to be, I've got to be stern with some students that I don't know very much. Mm. And there's, we've dealt with a lot of, uh, a lot of our students are like from our Louisville area now, or they used to be more from like Maryville Alcoa schools. Okay. And so they're from our area, which has a lot of different trailer parks and apartment complexes and would be considered lower middle, uh, lower, uh, I guess lower class or lower middle class area. Okay. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's like a violent or I wouldn't say like it would be classified as that, but inside these students' homes, a lot of them are dealing with like, there's a lot of opioid addiction around. Sure. It's oh, yeah. obviously an epidemic around our country. So like these places, these kids are like dealing with their families, having these kinds of things or being raised by their grandparents or you like raised in broken homes much like I was but due to different circumstances and yeah. these students they're like honestly there's they have a big issue with authority and respect okay. and so if they don't know me very well and I'm the guy that's set in charge of them. me and Adam and like some of our leaders are set in charge of them 
Yeah. There's a lot of times where we can feel like security guards rather than like youth pastors and youth leaders because they they consistently want to do like this or that and try to get away from us and like it can be really hard because i'm i'm used to more respectful like students like the students i have at school are a whole different aspect like that's from like private school is a whole different demographic somewhat not to say that they all have it all together but the idea of respect is way more built in whereas um the youth ministry students like it's hard to, it seems like a lot of times I'm teaching people that don't want to have anything to do with me. Hmm. And that's what it can feel like. And then yeah. it's nef- it's definitely not always like that. There's students that are there that love being there. There's students I'm getting to pour into oh, sure. before the thing and I'm getting to disciple some. And like, there's definitely some, like it's a handful of students, but it seems like it's almost split 50-50 of like students that are just there to like kind of eat a meal on Wednesday night hang out with their friends Hmm. that's it they don't want to hear the gospel they don't want to hear what we have to say they definitely aren't trying to listen be on their phone anytime they can have their headphones in put their head down put their hoodie up kind of thing and and like they won't overtly say it to our faces but it seems it does it gives off this big feeling of like they don't even care that i'm i'm here or that like i don't have to be here right (laughs) right and And is that hard because you're like bringing so much of Mm. like you're bringing so much of you yeah. Into this moment for someone to be like, so. Yeah. That's, that's what sucks. That's the vulnerable part is like, yeah. I've spent time preparing for this. I lost sleep the other night for this to like prepare my sermon. I've been working a full-time job at school. And then I also like, I do all these, uh, I get set up chairs and things on the weekend for my church and I'm doing a lot of things. And I, I, I hate how that sounds so like douchey, but like, so like, I guess like, uh, conceited, but I feel like I'm doing a lot of things because I value my time and I like just time to rest, but I'm like giving that up to like be these people's youth pastor because somebody, I know you too as a second, as a second voice, like it's, it's there. I don't feel anything negative (laughs) there. Cause like, I know you, man, like you, you cared, you you care really, really, really deeply about people. Mm. So like you're, it's not just a, like I've got this job and I'm doing my checklist and I, you know, why don't they understand how much I'm doing? Like you're doing a bunch of things, one, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be belittled because just physical time, space and sleep that shows where our heart is, yeah. you know, but like you, you, you care so deeply about them being like healthy, whole people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's a deep, deep, beautiful thing you are doing for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean to see that met with meh, <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, that's yeah. the hard part. So like if I had like an art show, like anybody walks in and looks at my art, dude, you're good. You can go ahead and go. Like <laughs> you did what it was for. Like that's a I put art on this wall, made it. Either you look really deeply into it and find something, and you're like, oh my life's changed. Or you're like, oh, that was cool. And then I looked away and left. That's fine in that regard. But then I have like I've prepared a sermon. I've uh I've been reading and studying this thing and I've been and I already feel like I'm not doing enough. Like, mm. I feel like I'm not doing good enough. And yeah. then I go in, and there's a lot of, like, like chatting and fart noises and, like, <laughs> goofy little things. Yeah. And, like, and then I also see the students that are there that really want to hear this. Like, they need this. And it's that tough dichotomy, that, that torn between of, like, I want, I really do want to serve you, but, man, you make it really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think that is what ministry is for anyone that's in ministry. Sure. It's like, 
Lord, I'm serving you. And I know this is right because you've told me that's right. But I, every time I get up here to do this, it doesn't always feel like, I don't always feel like a million bucks. I don't always feel yeah. good about what I'm having to do. I don't always feel confident. Yeah. But Lord, you are, you are with me. And it can feel wounding, you know, yeah. which, which I mean, maybe that's too simplistic, but some part of the, I feel like some part of defining vulnerability, <laughs> since it's so different for each person, it's yeah. like the thing that when you do it, you feel exposed or like you could be wounded. Yeah. Like the idea of like, oh, I had a shield and I scooted it over for a second, whatever it is. Yeah. Then that is the act of vulnerability, right? Yeah. So like you going into this place and and I think you hit on something really honest there which I appreciate you saying of some of those moments can make you feel like they don't have a clue and probably aren't trying to do it intentionally mm -hmm. of like yeah, of but so. they're striking chords you're already trying to not lose sleep over yeah. of like I don't know what I'm doing mm -hmm. who am I to do this and all these things and so mm -hmm. to show up still to show up to the thing that kind of kicks you in the butt anyways and then have someone intentionally or not with their actions or whatever, essentially say, oh, yes, you are not good enough. <laughs> like, that's yes. really vulnerable stuff. Yeah. yeah. And because yeah. um, one of the things, too, is, like, my wife works with me, and she's, like, one of our youth leaders, runs some, like, D group stuff. And having, like, kids, like, I'm maybe either I'm, – I'm doing two, one of two things. I'm either speaking or I'm running the slides in the back for Adam while he's speaking and vice versa. Yeah. And then I can't be out there with the students as much, like, sitting amongst them and my wife's and like her friend Andy are like doing those things uh while I'm back there and then having like kids like smart back to my wife and stuff like mm. those like yeah, things that's, like, oh. like she doesn't have to be here she's not even being paid to be here and like getting her frustrated because you're disrespecting her and those are the wounds where like I want to be allowed to store up malice or anger or hatred or something sure. for like somebody did that. I want to be able to get you back and make, make you apologize. But I know that these are students and I'd rather them, it's like, this, is, this must be how Jesus felt in some aspect. He's like, I'd rather them destroy me than destroy each other or destroy other things yeah, or have yeah. this come out some, somewhere else. And so I would much rather them in this safe space say something dumb to me or my wife or something like that, rather than disrespect their parents more or disrespect their family or their friends yeah. and know that we can handle it because the Lord reestablishes us. Like he's the reason I'm still going, like he's sustaining me. It's not like their comments of whether I did a good job or a bad job that night or their apathy towards anything I've done. It's like, it's what the Lord's doing in me. That's like really like encouraging in me and mm -hmm. like lifting me up. Yeah. So it's just hard, like learning to take those hits because I want to just smart back to him. I want to say something like there's part of me that's like there's still that petty, childish part of me. It's like, hey, what? Like, I just want to like go. There's an authoritative like part of like, yes, it's necessary when I'm allowed to discipline. But there's parts where I just want to be I just want to be a petty like kid. I want right. to make you just want to be the bigger kid saying, <laughs> yeah, saying the meaner thing. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. I can think of it in my head, but I'm like, mm, Lord, <laughs> thank you for like holding my tongue. Like, <laughs> like it's. It's things like that. So, and that's like the honest truth of it, but I'm learning so much patience. I'm learning so much forgiveness, so much mercy. And uh, this book I'm also reading called Prayer, 40 Days of Practice. Yeah. Uh, that uh, by Scott Erickson is the guy who does all the illustrations. And yes. I can't remember the guy who I think wrote the prayers. Or they both wrote the prayers. Dude, he's sure. amazing. So good. And he gave that talk that one night. It was really cool. And one of those, one of those prayers, because uh, I, I posted it on, Instagram, and this actually led to me going to get 
breakfast with an old friend from uh, Beach Grove back in the day. Uh, and because I posted this prayer and it really resonated with him and he got the book because of it. Oh, wow. Um, is one of the prayers was help me not to get frustrated with how others aren't or like because others aren't the way I wish they were because I am not as I wish I were. Hmm. And so like that's the prayer part of it. Yeah, and there's yeah. just a picture of like these illustrations of all these ducks and then all the ducks just have different like patterns or colors on them. They just look different, but they're yeah, all yeah. ducks. And so it's like this idea of like we're all people and but sometimes they they people aren't like you want them to be. Yeah. And that's okay. Hmm. And that's the hard part. So one of the things uh, I recently just read is this verse, uh, just going back through Second Samuel, going through David's life, and I, I like the the idea and the truth that David, even after, like he was built up in this big character, like he's going to be the best, he's going to be the one that leads Israel to salvation, and then falls, right? And after that, he's still known as a man of God's own heart, mm-hmm. and he he does a good job of recognizing his failures and moving on past it, rather than well, I'm disqualified, I'm the worst, I can't do this anymore. Hmm. And so um, in his lead up, or he just became king, and this is Second Samuel 8, 18, and it's David's prayer of gratitude. And uh, verse 18, it's just one verse, it says, The king David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And that's a, that's a verse that's been like resonating in my head the last couple days. It's just like thinking about who am I that you have brought me thus far, God. Like, who am I that I've, you've got me to this point. I'm this, like, fatherless kid or something. Like, in any statistic, I should be, I, I should be done or in jail at this mm-hmm. point. And, but you have brought me to this point. You have got me to where I am. I, for some reason, was faithfully involved in this youth ministry for over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And you've got me to where I'm the leader of it. I'm one of the leaders of it. And that's crazy to me. Like I never, mm. I never went to youth thinking I would be the youth pastor. Right. Yeah. But the way the Lord's worked it all out is like, that's who I've become. And mm. I never, I went to school and there was a time where I was like, I want to be a teacher one day. But then when I got to college, I was like, I definitely don't want to like go to school for teaching because <laughs> that sounds dumb anyways. But like, <laughs> but I want to like go to school, make art. But then like the Lord brought it around that I'm a teacher now. Like the Lord is doing all this stuff in the background, in the foreground, in the midground, whatever it is, mm. in your life, in your soul, in your external life, people you're meeting, like to where the art of his sovereignty is like doing major things in your life that you can't see or can't even tell. So mm. that verse, uh, when David says, who am I, O Lord, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Who am I? What are the things that I have that I've brought to the table that you have done this mm. so well to me? Why have you been so good to me? And I don't think that, and that's not asking in a sense of like, I don't, it's not asking in a, like a petty or like self-deprecating sense of, I don't really deserve this, but it's like, God, like, Help me reanalyze myself. No, you see this much in me. Yeah. Help me to go forward like that. Yeah. Help me to be move forward as you see me, not how as I That's see. That's a good me. way to put it. Like it's not self-deprecating. It's all. It's almost the opposite. It's it's literally asking. It's like you seem to see something in me. <laughs> yeah. That you've put in there and like is for the good of this place. Okay, what is it? <laughs> like, please keep showing me. Yeah. Because. There are times I'm losing it. There are times I can't see it. There are times I'm confused about it, but I'm but I'm still here, mm-hmm. and there's still more of the story to show up. And yep. yeah, man. And and I would say too, I think like I, 
like I don't know for everything you you seem to me you've always seemed like someone who cares very deeply about that and and stewards the things that you are and that you have really well like you, you care about people you care about creativity you care about things that are beautiful and need to be shown you care about how that beauty and how like the personhood of yourself but also like beautiful human human dignity of all these other people you're getting to interact with like that stuff can come together and those relationships can make something amazing and then when like creativity and enjoying art together gets tied up in it too like that is the fertile soil for like beauty to grow and things to be freaking restored and stuff to like actually be made new like that's that's the stuff man like that's awesome i i think you do all of these things very very well thank you yeah man and that is it for this episode of the To and From podcast. If you made it all the way to the end here, Brandon and I both really appreciate you sticking around and chatting with us a little bit. Thank you to everyone listening. And as always, thank you to the people that have been supporting this and making this podcast and all the new music I've been doing possible. So thank you to you, the Patreon squad. You guys are awesome. If you want to figure out how you might be able to support new creative work I'm up to and get exclusive content as well you can check out that stuff at patreon.com slash Grady Milligan that is patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Grady Milligan thank you guys for tuning in lots of new episodes coming out soon you're wonderful this is the to and from podcast Mm -hmm.